Hey everybody, welcome to Rockpile Talkpile, the official podcast of the Colorado Rockies subreddit. I'm Zach, otherwise known as username Zach17. Um, let's go around the horn. What's up guys? John, jfoster15. Hey guys, I'm Jason, uh, jsa17. Hey guys, this is Jack, u slash underbubble. We are so, so happy to have Jack on the program. Jack does all the editing. So let's give him a hand. Let's go one, two. <laughs> That's all the runs the Rockies have scored in the Marlins series. Two claps of just two, two runs in three games. Against the team that has the worst run differential in baseball to this date. It's pretty much the worst team. You know, also... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say we won that game on Friday night, one to nothing, and we kind of had no business winning that game. Nope. And um, I mean, it was the first time in thirty. Uh, it was the first years. time since it was the first time since June eighth of June eighth of two thousand sixteen, I think, that we had won a one nothing ball game. And then now this this stretch of three games with one runner less being scored uh, is the first time the Rockies have done that. Also since uh, July of twenty sixteen. So I mean, it was like it wasn't like we just waited and had a bad series that happens. It was like, it was kind of bad for even the history of the Rockies. Yeah. I was mentioning that there hasn't been a game where the only run was scored by a relief pitcher since like, I think 1980. Yep. Yeah. It was Necro was the last one to do it. Not Phil. Not, not Phil. The other one, the other Necro, <laughs> Phil Necro. much less known Necro who we don't even know his first name, even yeah. though they said it on Friday. Why don't we talk about, um, we always have been harping on small sample sizes. Um, but, when you play a, a three-game series in Major League Baseball against the worst team, you, this is it is unacceptable. It's, I mean, it's really bad. It's and it's not. We talk we talk about um, obviously Blackman and Arenado being there, but outside of Blackman and Arenado, there's not a lot of faith in any of our hitters right now. Like, there's nobody that I look at Whoa. and say, all right, this guy can come up at a big spot and do something. Whoa. And we have LeMay, but LeMay is hurt, obviously. Um, but it's... Once you get past those top three, I mean, Story's been all right, but um, Ionetta hasn't been good, and and Para hasn't been good, and it's just... there's It's a it's a giant hole after yeah. you have your top three hitters. Jack, how do you feel about Vileka? Uh I posted this yesterday in the subreddit, but Vileka. Like if you take out like the qualification, like I don't I don't know how many plate appearances it is at this point, but he's quite literally the worst player in or the worst batter in baseball right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has minus one point two uh, B WAR right now, uh, which is the worst. Like he's just ahead of in terms of like the loser leaderboards of Adam Engel, who has been awful for the White Sox. Uh, you got to send him down. And he's Engel got 50 at least plays like good center field defense. Like like a. Mm-hmm. Provides like eh, defense. So like, eh. I got another one. You guys ready? Yeah. That's the number of runs plus ribbies that Vileka's gotten. Why? <laughs> <laughs> <Ugh. One. laughs> so bad. So not only measurements by clap. As as a lot of as people I think know, um, Baseball Reference and Fangraphs measure their WAR differently. And so when people say B WAR, they're referring to Baseball Reference. And when they say F WAR, they're referring to Fangraphs. And Fangraphs also has him uh, as the worst player in baseball at negative point seven WAR, uh, tied with Neil Walker actually. And Hunter Pence is number three on that list. But it's not just a way that Baseball Reference is measuring Fangraphs that Flake is bad. Flake is just bad no matter how you measure it. I bet I if we looked at baseball get a negative he'd be the worst too yes <laughs> I didn't think you could get negative weighted runs created but there it is there it is 
Yeah, what's insanely impressive about Valeka too in that respect is he so likable. Like, well, that. But <laughs> Neil Walker and Hunter Pence have about like twenty or thirty more plate appearances. Valeka's managed to accrue a negative one WAR over fifty plate appearances, which is atrocious. It's it's, it's and really impressive, honestly. It's it's yeah. historical <laughs> precedence right there. A yeah, but we thought Parra was historical. <laughs> A full-time player gets about 600 plate appearances on a season. So if Valeka kept up the uh, pace he's at right now, he would put up, what, negative 14.4 war? Let's just look (laughs) at the bright side. Remember when we were talking about signing Neil Walker? Yeah. Remember when we talked about signing Lomo? He's also terrible. Remember when we talked about signing Chris Carter last year? (laughs) So what I'm getting at is is we suck. (laughs) We talked about that. We talked about signing Todd Frazier, and Todd Frazier does not suck. That's true. That but we sense. knew that one right away. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's been established. That's the thing. Is yeah. Faleka has one year of being established, and it seems like it's either a flash in the pan or he, uh, like, he's really some, bad. Yeah, give me some Daniel Castro. Give me some Derek Gibson. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. I never I never knew that you could uh, have a be a pinch hitter and still go through one of the worst sophomore slumps in baseball history, history in a long time. <laughs> yeah, like, this not, is not, not the worst softball Pat slump Valenka in baseball is, history. Yeah, Pat, <laughs> is it? Pat, Pat Valenka may not be able to make Zach's softball team at this point. Wow. <laughs> hey, we practiced today and it was okay. better than I anticipated. That's good. Hey, hey. And now I'm going to put this wrist brace on. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's, it, it goes back to everything we always say. And I've, and I've talked to people other than what you guys and obviously say? always talk to you about this, that last year we were all aware that the Rockies offense was bad. And a lot of the national writers and especially our local beat writers and certain podcasters that we won't say by name were all about the, oh, it's fine. They just, they had an off year. You just know Somehow, they're going to hit. Quote, yeah, the they're, Rockies they're are always going to hit. Yeah, and, and, and it was like they were falling back on the idea that somehow the entirety of the Rockies' offense had slumped together. Yeah. But that clearly wasn't the case to people that weren't trying to talk it up. I mean, it was clearly yeah. a case of just a bad offense. And now we're coming up, I mean, we're a month into the season. The season started a month ago today, and it's a bad offense. It's, mm. Nothing has changed from last year. Let's talk about how bad this offense is and how nothing has changed from last year after we talk about how I'm pointing with my finger. Um, <laughs> after we talk about how atrocious this series was, I don't. I think we have to say this is one of the worst series that I can remember. How many times do we have the bases loaded and we end up scoring zero runs? Because I know two yesterday. Yep, two yesterday, and then there was one on Friday. That's three. You cannot... <laughs> As a Major League Baseball team, have the bases loaded three different times and score a grand total of zero runs. That should not be allowed, first of all. Second of all, that shouldn't happen. You're a professional baseball team. Third of all, the pitchers for the Marlins aren't good. No, they're not. No. We, oh. we, put, we faced Wei-Yin Chin coming his first start off the DL, and he was terrible last year. And it's his first start off the DL. He's not stretched out. He hasn't seen Major League hitting. He didn't practice in spring. This is literally his first appearance of 2018, and he shut us down. You're so sad. <laughs> yeah. John's week. John's week was. I think. I think you said yesterday, John, that you were going to be real, very angry, or something like that if we lost today, and then yeah, went on to 
not even score a single run. I it's, and it's I, one I'm so thing glad to... I didn't watch today's game. I was busy with something. Just looking Can't. at my phone constantly, like waiting to see updates and seeing zero notifications for the game. I I updated myself, and there was like not even three hits by the sixth inning or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, it was. I was listening to it on the radio today. I wasn't watching, um, and even Jack Corrigan was kind of he just sounded downtrodden which you can't i don't know how you can call a rockies game Uh during that series and not sound downtrodden so it's i feel like it's always i always feel like i give the rockies a fair shake their first game after a long homestand you can have one day of course hangover but you also could have gotten to the like stadiums early and just watched like 300 pitches and just seeing how they're breaking usually but to not score more than two runs in a three-game series against the worst team in baseball and not get any hits, it's, un- I, it's inexcusable. You, something has to be done. I, and and we, we are terrible at Marlins Stadium. and that I mean, that should be pointed mm-hmm. out. We're awful. But, but that's not an um, excuse. The, to, team, ex- yeah, the team acknowledged that fact. And yeah, set out and it's to almost like it. even with how bad the team is typically at Marlins Park, the team this weekend was worse. You should score yeah. more runs than games in a series. Yeah. <laughs> that's a bar. Yeah, that's a good low bar there, and we didn't clear it. Oh and even when I mean, it goes it goes back to the fact that the Rockies have um, now gotten tacos four times in the season, uh, and two of those games were losses. So even outside of games like this past series that they're scoring one run, one run, and zero run, they're just not scoring a lot of runs on the season, period. I mean, I think, you know, last year we still led the majors in, in runs, and that's just, you know, that's going to happen when you play at Coors Field. But I'm thinking we this might year not we're this not year. there. Yeah, that's we might not do thing. This Even we if you don't look at Coors Field in stats, we are still the worst offense by average. We're the worst offense by on-base percentage. I think we're, like, bottom three in slugging percentage. Like, even by non-park-adjusted stats which my grandfather looks at, can sit there and tell me, hey, John, the Rockies are the worst team in baseball. Hitting are bad. He doesn't need to know yeah. weighted runs created plus or all that crap. And, and one thing I want to point out is that, like, what's especially embarrassing about this to the Marlins is that it's not just a meme that they're bad. I'm pulling up park-adjusted stats for the Marlins, and let's, I'm going to use uh, X field of independent pitching as one of the metrics. They're 24th in that. So their pitching is just not good. Mm-hmm. And then they are 29th in uh, weighted runs created plus. Uh, and they are uh, bested by only the Rockies, who are now in last place with 30th. We are literally the worst offense uh, in the MLB right now. And everyone has to keep in mind that these are adjusted. So it's, and it's been a month. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we're just having a hard time because we're hitting on the – and we have played a lot of road games. We've talked about that. But it's this is adjusting for everything, and we're the worst offense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at a certain point, at a certain point, you can't fall back on the on the small sample size. No, I think we can't. It's it's yeah. been a month. It's been a month. And what the thing is, I feel like when we talk small sample sizes, there is one thing to say it's been like a week and a person's in a slump, but to have a team face the worst team and be scoreless two out of three game. Well, I'm sorry, to get two runs in three games, I feel like you gotta shake something up. You gotta say something. You gotta come out to the fans. Or come out to like the base or the media and say, "This is unacceptable. We're changing this." 
Yeah, and they're not going to, and that's the frustrating part. We've I, changed nothing, and we expect different results. Yeah, yeah. I, this isn't the Boston Red Sox of 2017, where we looked at the Boston Red Sox and went, it's really weird that everybody on that team had a bad hitting year. We don't expect that to happen. And guess what they did? Even when everybody wasn't expecting them to be as bad as they were last year, they went out and signed J.D. Martinez. They went out and signed the best hitter on the free agent market. All we had to do was actually sign a hitter. And yeah. we signed Chris Iannetta, who is actually, is he officially disappointing now for April or not he's, really? He's, he's pretty bad. He's, pretty, he's like yeah. sneaky bad because he started off so hot. He's like uh, in a negative war by both websites' metrics. Yeah. So I, was I guess you can kind of say. So that's one signing. The other signing was Carlos Gonzalez, who were just waiting to go on the disabled list, and he did in April. Woo, shocker. I was comparing um, Chris Iannetta to Ryan Hannigan yesterday. Oh, God. And yeah, I mean, you say you no. say the name Ryan Hagan, you go, oh god. Well, Chris Iannetta has been marginally better than Ryan Hannigan was last year. Tom Murphy, now, where far art thou? What I would say about Iannetta, we don't change anything. It took us three weeks to make a, a roster move. I think we can. I think I personally think that we can expect Iannetta to be better. I really do. I mm-hmm. I think he's having a tough time, but I think we can expect him to be better. There are certainly guys on our roster that I don't have that expectation of, but Chris Iannetta, I do. Iannetta and Trevor Story, I expect. I I think what we've seen from Trevor Story uh, for most of the last week and a half, I think, is the real Trevor Story. Um, you've seen a lot of bad. He's a much better hitter. Good. Yeah, you've seen bad mm-hmm. and you've seen good. That's just what Trevor Story is. It's just what he's going to be. But uh, overall. Yeah. There's, like like you said, we've got the three that we know are good. There's the two, Story and Iannetta, who I expect to be better. And then the rest of the 25-man roster, with the exception of David Dahl and Ryan McMahon, I don't expect a lot from. And I'm not expecting... I don't know how else to put that. I, I don't expect anything from Gerardo Parra, Ian Desmond... Pavaleka, name me another player. I don't expect them to be better than they are now. I expect them to get either the same or worse. Do you think DJ is going to get any better? I mean, I think what, what's sad is I didn't. I two years ago you'd ask me DJ was on the DL. I'm like, okay, no big deal. It's just DJ. He's a replaceable player. Yeah, and then that replaceable player is replaced by Pat Faleka, the worst player in uh. baseball. Well, and then that replace that replacement causes. I mean, talking about Bud Black, it causes Ian Desmond to be hitting second, it, which, it's ridiculous. which it should not ridiculous. cause Ian Desmond to hit second. There's there's no excuse yeah. for Ian Desmond hitting second. Yeah. So no the excuse. the Dan the Dan Saborski thing that you shared, John, that we all got a kick out of was Dan Saborski tweeting, "Okay, lineups aren't that big of a deal, but if you're making a Rockies lineup and asking yourself, now who do I want hit, getting the second most plate appearances today?" Your answer shouldn't be Ian Desmond unless the rest of the lineup is random fans you dragooned into service. Which if you don't know what dragooned means, which uh-huh. I learned yesterday, is forcing someone. So, so even it's, and it's, we still it's getting attention. Whole, yeah. His, I think one of the hits today was an Ian Desmond like um, grounder through the through the middle, right? Oh, did he mm-hmm. did he pull a ball to left no. field yet? No, no, it was cool. no, no. Yeah. So just yeah. take the left fielder and put him between shortstop and second. Yeah, don't think you're you, special, Nick Grove, for finding that little spray chart. <laughs> we were there. That. We were there. way earlier than you. <laughs> so we wanted to talk, so wasn't. talking about the spray chart that we found is, and Nick Grove tweeted out about it, and we wanted to talk about it today, but Nick Grove beat us to it. Um, Ian Desmond, so far this year, has not hit a ball uh, to the left side that for has reached hit. the outfield. None. Not Zero. A, not, not an a, out, not, not a line drive, not a ground nothing. ball, nothing. He has not hit a ball to the left side that has reached the outfield. Or that hit. In what, 95, 98 plate appearances now? Zero. Yeah, something like that. Z- zero. And he's know. not hurt. 
And, right. he, and exactly. he, he got thrown out stealing by the backup catcher. Cool. Now, JT Realmuto? And the other day, I get I got into a little bit of a, like, it just made me mad, so I got into a little stats hole with it of Ian Desmond because Drew Goodman and Ryan Spielberg were arguing that, well, Ian Desmond's career ground ball percentage is actually only 51%, so it, he should be better than he is. But if you get into a 51% ground ball rate, um, there are less than 60 players typically in any given year of, of, of players that have at least 200 plate appearances that have a 51% ground ball rate. So there are about 350 players every year that get 200 plate appearances, meaning that Ian Desmond's career ground ball rate in any given season is in the top 20%. So it's not when they're making the argument that Desmond should be better because his career ground ball rate is only this, his career ground ball rate is really freaking high. Yeah. Like, it's just bad. Yeah. So, and I mean, Rotorballer put a post off for this is fantasy baseball related that put a post that said, um, you should consider dropping Ian Desmond. No, you should have already done that. Ground ball <laughs> yeah. rate in Coors Field, not going to help you. So the, there's been two little um, stats I've been following in the story of Ian Desmond. Um, one is, will we ever get a chance to see Ian Desmond hit three out of four balls to the ground? He's at 73.9% ground ball rate percent right now. I think my and daughter could do two, that. So like, two, I'm like two, almost excited when he strikes out. <laughs> two weeks ago on the two weeks ago on the podcast, we were talking about Ian Desmond's ground ball percentage 71. and how high it was, and it was seventy one point one percent. So it's gone up two point eight percent in the last two weeks. It's gone up. If he hits if he hits seventy five percent, I will buy somebody a shot. <laughs> and it's probably it's myself. Not new. That's the thing is that like his ground ball like percentage is not a new thing. You knew that coming in. He's, he hasn't hit less than fifty percent ground balls since twenty thirteen, and he's, it's been going up every year like clockwork. He's oh. always been a ground ball hitter, and signing a ground ball hitter to play at Coors Field doesn't make any it's sense. It's dumb. Now, now, Zach, I think your idea of who you should buy the shot for is Ian Desmond, and maybe buy him a few because then if he's seeing multiple balls, maybe he'll hit one of them in like the wrong spot and he'll go in the air. That would uh, yeah, I, I think it's almost an accident when he hits the ball in the air anymore. It's, it's like, like he's oh. actively trying to ground the ball to the ground. This has got to be like a major league angle. situation. Negative, what is it, negative 4.9% the other yeah. day? We haven't looked that's, updated. That's so what it was the other day. We've <sighs> renamed um, launch angles uh, slam dunks. I like slam the crash angle. Great the crash angle. Crash angle the other thing I was watching is Ian Desmond's average versus Ryan McMahon's average. Um, I, think it's still, I think it's close right now. Do we give the edge um, to Ryan McMahon? Did he pass him? Uh, at one, point, right Mc, now at one point, McMahon was ahead of him. 183 for Ian Desmond and 184 for Ryan McMahon. Yeah. Everybody gets Celebrate sports. good times. So it's still um, on Baseball Savant, and I don't know how quickly Baseball Savant updates, but it's still four, negative 4.9 degrees. And it was kind of funny because we've talked about how <laughs> much five. Mike Petriello doesn't like Ian Desmond, and John... You recommended that I specifically ask Mike Petriello and bring up Ian Desmond's name when it came to finding some launch angle stats. And sure enough, when I tweeted at Mike Petriello, he almost immediately replied to me. He's been waiting. With Ian Desmond's launch angles because I think he's so much paying attention to how poor Ian Desmond has been that I think he just enjoys being able to um, show those stats. If he wants to bit. talk about it on the pod, we'd love to have him. Yeah. Yes, Mike, <laughs> you're like my hero. I would, yeah. I would love. And Samborski. I mean, you guys get it. So yeah, I'm trying to. Um, there was a tweet that um, Petriella had sent out about all first basemen for the Rockies. So that was Valeka, um, oh. McMahon, and um, 
and Desmond, and I can't find it right now, but it was, I think our weighted runs created plus, if I remember correctly, was 27 with those three. Oh my God. And we don't make any changes. I mean, these guys have options. You can just send them down. Oh, here it is. We're not protecting them. Who Um, are you protecting? Uh, here it is. Uh, it's actually pretty hard to find a fit, honestly, because of the contract and because a few teams need a first baseman. You know who does, though? The same team that always did, Colorado. Their first baseman are hitting an incomprehensible 148, 208, 254. So that's average on-base percentage, slugging percentage. No, uh, that deal won't happen. We've needed a first baseman since Todd retired. We're just like, well, we'll just fill in a gap, fill in a gap, fill in a gap. Like, so I don't know what happened in, to the Rockies' management to think that we never needed to like find a or draft a first baseman. Or why you decided to sign Ian Desmond to play first base in the first, first base. base. Or, that's, I mean, and then there's the whole Corey Dickerson thing. I think, oh. um, why don't we talk about the people who are responsible for this terrible, terrible offense, like the Colorado Rockies have the worst offense in baseball. That's a sentence. And it's a true fact. This is not, this is true by sabermetric stats. This is true by your grandfather's stats. So we'll be talking to your grandfather after the break. All right, welcome back to the Rockpile Talkpile, um, also known as we can still be optimistic, but it's really, 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 really hard. Can we be optimistic? No. I, I actually do have something that's optimistic. Our, our pitching. So I was looking some stuff up. I looked at 2018 team stats, and the Rockies are second in war for defense. Nice. I like D-War. <laughs> D-War's good. That's it, though. It's otherwise... Our, our run prevention, A-plus, run... Producing F minus. Well, and that's, and that's certainly <laughs> something minus. that can. That's, some, that's certainly something that help keep us in in ball games, though. Yeah, uh, I mean, what was that tweet that I sent you guys earlier from Petrel? <laughs> like they're fifteen and fourteen despite all this bad stuff. All this bad yeah. stuff, and the yeah. Pythagorean's really bad. Yeah. Um, so what I was thinking is our offense in twenty eighteen is currently the worst in weighted runs created, and the offensive war is also worst so if we if we just go back back one year to good old 2017 you guys remember 2017 oh like it was last year like it was last year we did we made the playoffs with the uh fourth worst offense nice we had an 87 ways run created plus um we were 27 was the teams that are worse than us last year um i know the pirates are one giants are another I think so. I think those were the three that were worse than us. <laughs> yep, Pirates, Padres, and Giants. And we can all, we all guessed them without even looking it up. That's how bad they <laughs> were. Go. We knew that. And, and then we shared we company back. with them. So why don't we go back another year to 2016 Let's when, it. when um, it wasn't Bud Black and Jeff Bridich's show. We were 20th. Well, it was Jeff's show. It was Jeff's show. Yeah, it was, was kind of Jeff's show, but it was still like he didn't change too much yet. Get rid of Tulo. Get rid of Tulo. Had to like a Jose Reyes thing. Um, <laughs> that was a sound. But this is 2016, and we were still not a good team. And what I wanted to get to was 2015, where we were actually we were 20th there. But who was worse than us were the Padres, and that was a Bud Black year for the Padres. 
And what do you guys think? Are the Padres perennially bad at offense because they play in San Diego? Are they just a bad managed team? Do they have bad players? What What's the deal with the Padres? I think if you asked Padres fans, they would blame their front office for a lot of their woes. Um, there was that one time they tried really, really hard, though. Yeah, I think and they are finally doing it right and actually doing a rebuild. But for so long, the Padres were kind of similar to what we were always so frustrated with that they were kind of a farm system for other teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I if, if a friend of mine's a Padres fan, and so he's um, he has let me know that there's a lot of uh, pre AJ Preller GMs that were just buddies of the owners which sounds eerily, eerily familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, stuck around and they just kind of recycled friends of the owners. And then they decided to get serious and bring in AJ Preller. And when they hired him, Preller wanted to tear it down. The ownership said, no, I want to sell tickets. And so they made that just enough to trade and they made all those other moves that met Kemp trade blew up in their face. And then AJ Preller went to the ownership and said, we need to just tear this thing down. And, and now they're doing. I mean, they they have done it right. I mean, I think all of us expect uh, even. I mean, possibly got, next year and certainly twenty twenty, the Padres to be a pretty good baseball team. You're seeing it so. now with that Luchisi guy, Franchi Cordero, Franchi yeah, Cordero, Villanueva, yeah. Hunter Renfro, and uh, Freddie. I mean, Freddie Galvis is super fun to watch. I think. Yeah, he's, he's a free agent after this year. I think he's a free agent after this year too. But is he? Yeah, I think he's just a placeholder for Luis Robert. So it was. It was most. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah like Luis him. Roberts second base. Jack's and then there's a, a Swahe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the Padres look really good, getting better, and it's probably the front office. But I, I kept looking. 2014 worst in the league at offense. 2013 second worst in the league at the offense. Um, this is the Padres for everybody. These are the Padres. Yeah. So if we keep going, it seems like every year that. I mean, it's it's hard to completely blame Bud Black for the players that he owns. Um, I so part of the thing that Je- or, uh, Jason had mentioned previously was Zimborski stating lineup construction doesn't make that big of a difference. A lot of uh, sabermetrics guys say lineup construction is not that important. I very much disagree with that, and I think it's a feel of part the of game. The, yeah, I think part of the problem, as we're seeing with Ian Desmond hitting second, is Bud does not construct a lineup very well. I think we can say that. Lightly. And he's a, so Bud Black was a pitcher. Um, and, and we see that with how well Bud Black managed the rotation and managed the bullpen last year. Like that's what got us to the playoffs last year. Right. But it sometimes seems like Black is a pitcher that doesn't really have a lot of, Common I say, sense. I don't want to say knowledge because that's not the right word. No, it's, it's you know, common sense. Yeah, he just isn't good with the offense. Like, they're just weird things he does with the offense that just leave you scratching your head. And then the bullpen bails us out or their starting pitching bails us out. Or, I mean, like I said, on Friday. Or we solo had, shots. We, we should have gotten swept in this series. And yeah. By the worst Antonio team. Sends a, yeah, Sensatella bailed us out. That's my boy. Yeah, it's something with lineup construction is that I feel like typically it doesn't matter, but when you have such disparity of performance like we do on our team, like we've got three good hitters in DJ, you know, Charlie, Nolan, and then you've got like a black hole past the five hole. And you, if you want to include Story as part of that black hole, I guess you can, but he's still an above average hitter. But the point is if there's like Story 
and Arenado on base. Lately, it's almost been a given that those guys are not going to come home. And when you start putting these guys, like Parra was in the three-hole for a little bit, and like Desmond's in the two-hole, it's it's a rally killer when you're... Uh, when they're all clumped together and it's a rally killer when they're it's an even more so of a rally killer when they're like put in between our best hitters when how many times this year have we seen first and third one out or second base or no, no outs, outs or, and, and we scores. just we kind of fully expect that that nobody's gonna score well yeah there was that play on friday where trevor story tried to steal second base late in the game and a lot of our sub was upset about it and i even said before they did it trevor should try and try and steal second because this was david doll that you talked yeah. about i remember that and he got thrown out right yeah, yeah and I, oh, that's right it was david that. doll yeah first pitch and i said yeah just go ahead and steal it Doll's fast enough to score yeah like get him in scoring position so if there's a, a a wild pitch or and then there's a ground ball through the middle we can actually score like i fully understood running first pitch there i feel like lineup construction usually doesn't matter because usually you don't mess it up this badly yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's like nobody has to have this conversation we're like the only team that has to have this conversation like why in god's name would you have ian desmond second yeah, the only other people that have this gripe are Angels fans with Albert Pujols hitting third or fourth. That's the only other team that I has know. this kind of gripe. Yeah. So, and then we can get into, when we talk about that, you know, we have, like, we joke about um, how well the Rockies do when they have two people doing the same job. And right now we have Dwayne Espy, who is the, called the hitting coordinator, and we have Jeff Salazar, who is their assistant hitting coach. So and we don't have a hitting coach. Yeah, kind of. We um, have a hitting coordinator and an assistant hitting assistant coach. Hitting coach. So that's and why we're bad. Just rename the positions. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> and, Maybe. And, and a, a, we, a, I guess we just need to be, bring uh, Bill Guyvet in, and we'll be set. But uh, <laughs> we just have the past. We have a bad offense that at a certain point, there's not a like at a certain point. There's a there's a there's a, a single person that's involved with every one of these players that isn't hitting well, and it's. Not the fact that they're wearing a Rockies uniform, it's who they're training with and who's you know, doing things with them. The fact that, that launch angles are so bad for some of our guys and power is so bad for some of our guys. And the fact that Ian Desmond literally cannot pull a baseball. And How? You have I mean, to have a hitting coach. Yeah, that's something that, that, that he should be in the cage doing. And a month into the season to have not hit a ball to left field, it, I mean, it's like it, it's, it's, should, it's something that shouldn't happen. Yeah, I want to see... I want to get to the game early on Tuesday and watch Ian Desmond hit BP because I want to know if any of those balls go in the air to the left side. Or if or if anybody's uh, telling him, like, maybe you should try this, or if he's just really content with his batting practice, grounding the ball. The yeah, does he chop at the ball in batting practice? Just hits constant grounders. I think it'd be better if he just let go goes, of his... That's my work for the day. You should just like, he let just, go just, of the bat halfway through <laughs> the swing. Yeah. He just aims at the L screen the whole time, and mm. that's his batting practice. I just, uh, <laughs> well, I so the, what we were talking about in the mid-break was that, so Dwayne Espy, um, he has not played in Major League Baseball. He spent eight years as a Minor League Baseball player, uh-huh. and then Jeff Salazar looked it up. Uh, he did play a little bit of Major League Baseball. He was actually released by the Rockies for being bad, mm-hmm. and we signed him as a hitting coach. <laughs> yeah, and then there was that other guy who had that weird like hitting academy in Florida like three years ago. That other old hitting coach. Oh, what was his name? Well, I'm gonna look up his name. Why don't you guys talk about Dante Bichette for a second? Yeah, so Dante Bichette was our hitting coach for one singular season, and he did not enjoy it. He even said so that he did not enjoy it. 
He did not specify, I don't believe, why he did not enjoy it, but he did not. Um, and so I always have wondered, and he's with somebody now, but I always Blake. wished that I always wished that we had signed uh, Jason Giambi as our right. Coach. He's I would be Indians. so about that. And Do you think Todd Helton would want to be a hitting coach? Not right now. When, when Helton retired, he was pretty specific about like, he almost wanted nothing to he do. He wanted with nothing baseball. to do with baseball. Yeah. Yeah. So it Didn't was he Blake to Doyle some farm in Tennessee and not watch a single baseball game for a year. Maybe it wouldn't shock me. I think that's what he did. So and that that horse he got died. I don't know if you guys know that. Which was just a oh. horrible, horrible omen. Horrible omen. Yeah. <laughs> um, Blake Doyle was the other guy who. Ah, that's right. We did have Carney Lansford um, in the early twenty tens, who played fifteen years in the majors, winning a batting title. Yeah, I remember Lansford. He was good. Yeah, and in twenty twelve, I don't think we had the worst offense. Hey. So let's call that guy. Hey, <laughs> literally call baby. call anybody. All all we're <laughs> saying is that after this Marlins series, the Rockies don't do anything on Monday. They are really losing a lot of our support. And I don't care if DJ plays or not, but if Ian Desmond's hitting second tomorrow, I'm gonna flip. Or so here's something on the something. Dante Bichette front. Just reading this article by Trey Rank, who um, writes for Denver, or wrote for Denver Post. Uh, covers the Broncos now for him. Um, mm-hmm. He said that his big thing was that his family stuff was too much. And in the sense that, um, you know, his kids were playing high school ball and uh, a ball at the time. And he kind of wanted to be able to work directly with his kids without, you know, just having to being able to only call him on the phone or do anything like that. Well, so, that did not work out for Dante yeah. Jr., but it certainly worked out for Bo. It worked Bo. out for Bo. So, <laughs> But here's a thought here is that now that Bo, it certainly has worked out for Bo, if Bo makes the majors, would then Dante be more willing to take a job where he doesn't have to be working with Bo every day? Yeah, because Bo's got his own coach. Yeah, kind of a thought. Um, I looked up 2011-2012. We weren't good at hitting those years either. (laughs) I don't think we were good at anything those years. (laughs) We were good at losing. I think 2012 was the worst year of my Rockies fandom. We were good good at losing. We almost, when we just wanted to lose 100, just couldn't. Oh. Uh, I remember before 2016, we all thought we'd lose 100, and we were really good. Oh, not really good. We were pretty good. Um, I mean, even in in 2014, I was going through some of those uh, schedules and things like that just to try to find the last time the Rockies had been held to one or less. And, you know, it was funny, not funny, but it was like brought back all those memories in 2014 when we were like a 500 ball club and then all of a sudden we lost like 12 straight games oh, and God. just never recovered from there. <laughs> you know, oh, it was yeah. the same kind of deal. Yeah. That was, that was a rough one. 2010 uh, was bad with Don Baylor. We were still like the last 10 and 2009, we were 15th. So what, what comes up to me when you are talking about all these names, these names are Dante Bichette. And we, I guess we talk about Giambi, so we're guilty of it too. But And Don Baylor and, and guys from our AAA system, apparently. And we're not hiring anybody from outside to be our hitting coach. We're just mm-hmm. calling up old guys that were in the organization at one point. Dwayne Estee was actually the coach from 2003 to 2006. Do you remember how bad those teams were? Bad. Yes. That was pre-Kelly McGregor stamp teams. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... At, at a certain point, like maybe the Rockies need to be looking outside the organization for a hitting coach. Or yeah, like anything. Like, hey, remember Chris Iannetta? Like, that might have been a good signing, but that didn't work out. 
Carlos Gonzalez, well, we know him. It's like I think I and it'll be fine. Well, but I've made the joke a couple times, and I'll make it again that that um, everybody gives John Elway grief for drafting defense well and offensive poorly, and Jeff Breidich seems to do the same well with the pitching and just horrible when it comes to doing anything with offense. Do I mean it's too early to talk about Shaw, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think Shaw's fine. I think Bud's using yeah. it wrong. Well, mm-hmm. and Indians, Indians fans even told us when when he's off, it's going to be ugly. And but when he's, when he's on, nobody can touch. Yeah, him. and and that's been the case. When he was off, I mean, what he got tattooed for five runs that one day, and it raised his ERA like four points, basically mm-hmm. seven well, runs. It, yeah, and that was that spot again Thanks, that I Jack. feel like. But but Black was was misusing <laughs> it because he Shaw came in and Shaw clearly didn't have it and. Black just left Shaw out there. It was against the Cubs. It was a Friday night game against the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Black just left Shaw out there to get shelled. Yeah, Speaking Shaw got of, shelled in the seashore. Shaw got shelled by the seashore. Speaking of the Cubs, oh no. Yeah, let's all let's all take a really long sigh, and we'll see y'all after the break. Oh no. All right, welcome back uh, to the Rockpile Talkpile. Uh, Jack had something he meant to say. He, very important point. Uh, uh, very, very important. So no, important. not really. But um, when you think about, like, you know, the years of SB and Salazar, which I guess came at the end of 2016, I can't think of a single Rockies player that has come up and played well. I mean, you're looking at David Dahl right now, and yes, he's hit okay, but he's striking out at, like, a 40% clip. Ryan McMahon is striking out the same clip and like Pat Valake is having a down year and so far our hitters that have kind of gotten into funks have like not really come out of them like we haven't seen that 2016 Trevor story um, you know and maybe that's partially adjustments but that's part of a hitters hitter coach's job is to like kind of help players make adjustments to get them back to the level that they should have been and we're not seeing that. Yeah, Talkman's actually doing pretty well at AAA. I haven't looked up oh, the numbers. Of Maybe but, it's because um, he does not talk to Dwayne Espy anymore. Well, yeah, I have the uh, ML, MILB uh, app, and so I get notifications whenever somebody scores. And so it lets you know who scored and who, who hit the ball to score the run. And I see Talkman constantly on these things. And granted, it's the PCL, I get it. But he's, he's every time I look at the app to clear a notification, Talkman's name is there constantly. And then um, Murphy was doing. Is Murphy still doing good? Mm. Uh, yeah, Murphy is. Yeah, he's hitting like he's he was hitting three ten into today, but he just hit another home run today, so he's doing well. And I just looked up Mike Talkman's numbers and thirty plate appearances. He's hitting three sixty, and like I, I get it's the PCL, but like when you're hitting above three thirty or three forty. There's a certain point where you can stop blaming the park and just say this person is is good. He's either a quad A player or he's ready. He's hitting well. And it's a, and that's yeah. a great point that you make, though, that we haven't. I mean, there's been so many times like Arenado comes up and Arenado becomes a superstar or Tulo comes up and Tulo becomes a superstar. Mm-hmm. We haven't had that we, with anybody since these guys have taken over. We haven't. We had Tom Murphy, I guess, had his one. Um, he came up in 2016. Tapia was decent. And looked good. And then, yeah, Tapia had his little stretch. Dahl certainly had his stretch in 2016. But we haven't had anybody that's like... Like, hit the major league roster, and then it's been a story of like this guy is our starter now. It's it's just guys floating back and forth and doing everything like that. I would be it is this, good. Oh, it's the same story with Tom Murphy. I just realized this because I know there's like a uh, like people say a lot in you know 
about Tom Murphy and how you know he crushes it in the minors and then he comes up and he lays an egg, but that's not necessarily true. He he hit for like a uh, I'm using Fangrass it doesn't have OPS in right in front of me, but he slugged 543 with a 260 average in 2015. That was good for uh, 118 uh, weighted runs created plus. You can't ask. And then in catcher. 2016. 147 weighted runs created plus. But when he came up in 2017, after he'd not, he'd been on like a long DL stint. I want to say it was two or three months. He came up and he was like one for 26. That was in 2017. Mike Talkman numbers. I, I'm, I'm just saying that like the difference between 2016 and 2017 is huge. Yeah, so, I think, we're, I I think we can point the finger at a couple. <laughs> yeah. We can point the finger at everybody on the, on the Colorado Rockies right now. Except for like Nolan Arenado, Charlie Blackman, DJ's hurt. Wait, is that it? Yeah, uh, Trevor oh Story God. sometimes. Trevor Story's been good. So how about let's see after on Monday, just call Tim Doherty up and replace hitting coach. There you go. Do it. Uh, we will. Really we will be. Rocky will be totally on board again because Tim Who's Doherty the- will help us against the upcoming series against the Cubs. Who's the Cubs hitting coach? We should just steal him. Their hitters are good. They are good. They uh, got good. <laughs> they, they were bad at first, remember? So we do have that three-game series coming up against the Cubs. I'll tell you guys, uh, Monday is Kyle Freeland facing John Lester. Maybe Tuesday, Kyle Freeland. Is he, is he confirmed oh, is with he, that heel injury? He's, he's listed as the probable starter on the heel injury. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, Thursday, or excuse me, Tuesday is Gray versus Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks. Uh, and Wednesday is Tyler Anderson versus you, Darvish. So, Jack, I know you listen to it, but what we've been doing recently is um, one, like, super, super bold prediction that probably won't happen, one realistic prediction that could happen, and then what you think the record in the series will be. Oh, man, my turn. Uh, I'm guessing we'll go one and two. Um, I think that John Gray matchup is good. And I think John Gray, if you look at his peripherals, he's really owed a good game at this point. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say we'll probably go one and two. My bold prediction is that David Dahl probably goes like, I'm going to say like six and 14 with a home run. Ooh. Like, I think he's really going to, I think he's really going to break out. And like, if Bud Black uh, isn't playing time. I, I think he will. I mean, we've seen David Dahl in... We saw him in versus a lefty today. We didn't see him on Saturday, but I think he's more or less... Not not necessarily won the job, but I think he's going to be playing almost every day and certainly There's against no reason not the to. Cubs starters. He's yeah. a more dynamic player. And John Lester, is he a... He's a righty, right? He's a lefty. He's a lefty. Who can't he's a lefty. First. Oh, <laughs> yeah. crap. Interesting. He's a lefty um, who stares at first and runners just dare him to throw it in the bag. Yeah, but then if Ian Desmond's stealing, he'll find a way to get thrown out. <laughs> he'll just run at John Lester. <laughs> You're out of the base path, but it doesn't matter. You reacquired the yips for him. I mean, at least he wouldn't be caught stealing if he goes outside of the base paths. Like, you yeah, can't hit a ground ball if you strike out. You can't get caught stealing if you're out of the base path. There you go. <laughs> how, about right. a, how about a realistic prediction? Um... I'm gonna, I, because one, uh, one and two is my realistic prediction. Uh, my bold prediction is the David Dahl breakout, but like, I don't see us working out of this funk. I, I, I so, think it's going to require a systematic change. I think it's we're going to require 
benching of people that I don't think Black or Breidich or the crew are comfortable with benching. Um, and I think you're going to need something like that. I mean, like Desmond has not... I think you have to bench him and play him as a platoon bat versus left-handers until he has proven to be able to hit like a right-handed bullpen arm. Like until he starts going like, I don't know, hitting like 250 or something, I think he's literally unplayable. Lowball yeah. uh, there too. Agreed. Him and Para too. Yeah, Para, Para is hitting 224. That is I'm, like awful. I was, <laughs> I was looking Dumb. at our, our, our like team and as much as average is kind of like here and there, you can't have this many people who bat like one for five. You can't have people less than mm-hmm. 250. You can't have that many bats that bad. And it's like, yeah, it's a lot of us. <sighs> Jason? It's bad. Uh, so I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to just say we take two of three. Just, I, I don't know why. The Rockies seem to play well against the Cubs. I know we lost that series to them last weekend, but that. Was that more? Um, yeah, that third game, we very well could have won. Uh, and the Rockies typically point. play well in Wrigley, actually. Um, so I'm gonna say we go two and one. My bold prediction. Um, I'm gonna say that Lemayhu comes back and hits two opposite field home runs into the basket. That's my huh. bold. Um, my realistic prediction is I still I still am gonna say I want Cuevas to hit a home run. I really oh, want to see Noah Cuevas hit a home run. Stole I know everybody's mine. De- he stole I know mine. everybody's dead. Well, and I used it last week, so it's not quite fair that I use it again this week. But Just everybody in the sub, I want Cuevas everybody in the so sub bad. is kind of down on Noel Cuevas about man, you can't be giving this Cuevas guy at bats. Like He's when you want to talk about yeah, when you want to talk about small sample size, that's Noel Cuevas. And when he does hit the ball, he's been hitting the ball. Oh yeah, he has thirteen plate appearances, and his first hit should have been a double, but Almora stole it. Thanks, yeah, Albert. So I like I have no worries about Cuevas right now. Um, you know, if it continues that he's just getting buried in Babbitt Hill, then I can see it. But right now, I'm I'm fine with Noel Cuevas and think he'll be good, and I think he's going to hit a home run in the series. Nice. He's he's very far in Babbitt Hill right now. I will give it like it's a very small sample size, but it looks like he's I mean thirteen. Uh, how many appearances? Yeah, he's had 13 plate appearances. So seven of those balls hit were fly balls. That's good. Uh, that that is good. That. That's very good. Two of them were grounders. No, three of them were grounders, and then the other three were line drives. Uh, and his BABIP is, hold on, hold on, hold on, 222. I mean, that's that's not, like, very low, but, like, most low. people who hit at Coors generally have one of, you know, about 300 or so. Yeah, so you can expect yeah. that to come back up. Noah Cuevas has two singles to the left side. <laughs> and, he's like the anti-Ian Desmond in 13 plate appearances. Oh That's all it took for him to be the anti-Ian Desmond. Fly balls and pulling the ball. And well, also, ball. Sensatella needed, what, four plate appearances to be better than Ian Desmond? <laughs> <laughs> oh. John, what do you got? Um, so I'm with Jack. I think we win one game. Um, my bold prediction for that game we win is the John Gray game, and I think John Gray... Pitch is a complete game, one-run game. We win Ooh. two to one because um, we're facing Hendricks there, and I don't think we're going to do a lot. Um, <laughs> That's spicy. I think spicy. I'm. Spicy. I. It's more born out of the sub being mad at John Gray and calling him a bad pitcher and the it making me really good. mad. Peripherals. Yeah, that and it's making me really was mad. Ten or eleven strikeouts on Wednesday. Yeah, eleven. Oh, so so I, would, I would. John Gray complete game, one run. I almost said shutout. Um, yeah. Then my realistic prediction, um, 
Well, you will get three home runs combined between Charlie and Nolan in the series. Hmm. Hmm. There are two quick things I wanted to bring up before my predictions. Um, Anderson should be fine. He probably had a little palpitation or something. Um, yeah, doctor. What's, it, what's the prognosis? His palpitations. <laughs> you need to take some propranol before the game. It'll be fine. They had to take a bone. They had to take a bone out of his hand, right? Zach? <sighs> Three bones, actually. And they <laughs> monkey bones. Oh, God. Um, and then also, um, I was at that uh, John Gray game on Wednesday. It was amazing to see because I was there at the game. Uh, did anybody else watch it? No, we, we didn't. Why? Why, yeah, did, why didn't we watch it though? I had work, so that doesn't count. One, yeah. Once again, yeah, the, once once working. again, the game was not on AT and T Sports. Uh, oh, so it doesn't really kind of, affect me because I don't live in market and I was yeah. at work. So. Right. Yeah, but but I'm also complaining with us, even though Thanks I love watching Orsillo. It's unex- and, another unacceptable thing. It's another unacceptable thing. So we had. Um, Two weeks ago when it wasn't televised, the Rockies were going for a sweep, and then it turned out to not be a big deal that it wasn't televised because the Rockies got hammered. But this week it wasn't televised, and you had a phenomenal performance from John Gray, and the Rockies won 8 nothing on the back of his 11 strikeouts. And like nobody in Colorado could watch a really awesome performance. Rockies game because for some reason AT&T Sports decides to not show 12 games a year. And the, the road team broadcasted the game. Yeah, I want to yeah. make that point that the road team decided, you know what, we could stay here another day. Let's broadcast this game. It's like we're a major league baseball team or something. And yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's gotten to a point where, I mean, I get that the viewership probably just isn't the same for a Wednesday day game, but I will give you ten dollars. Yeah, and and we and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If you aren't going to show it then no big deal but mlb tv needs to lift their blackout restriction for Mm. those days because if it's Mm -hmm. not televised in denver you shouldn't black people out that are paying to watch the game from watching the game it just it doesn't make any sense yeah mlb tv we pay you good money and then you break on us or black us out on games we cannot watch otherwise yeah and i'm sorry mlb tv but i'm in the midst of writing a very strong worded email to you because you (laughs) i've really been voice recording this right now I'm sorry, I am. I am. I'm pointing at the, the their MLB is TV is the microphone right now. <laughs> a super long email. I am the in the midst time. of writing an email to them because it really, I really got super yeah. mad. Yeah. That would make it's, me angry. Yeah. The other thing that would make me angry is us losing the Cubs series one to two. Um, I boldly, McMahon goes yard twice in the same game against you, Darvish. Ooh. Whoa. I like that because it doesn't sound so out of this world. I mean, we've seen him hit a lot of balls deep. Yeah, the dude I, can at least crush. Maybe, And it's Wrigley, yeah. and Darvish doesn't always have it sometimes. Yeah, when we got after Darvish last week, we really got after Darvish. Uh-huh. He, like, died in one inning. Like, yeah. he was nails <laughs> to the first four, and then he literally could not stop giving up hits. It was awesome. <laughs> and so my... um. My not bold prediction is that Ian Desmond will own a seventy-five percent ground ball rate by the end of the series. Oh, going up! Oh, I don't. I think don't want to see Ian Desmond play in this series. Is that allowed? <laughs> can we bench him? Yeah. Can I not see Ian Desmond at all what? in three games? Is that possible? I so, think. Talk- Good. We talk about Dan Simborski uh, and Desmond that um, oh, no. he, he wrote an insider article that I don't know if anybody has insider. I don't personally, but he did acknowledge that 
Ian Desmond is on his list of worst contracts in baseball. Yeah, the uh, insider which only is, allows you to see his first three mentioned, and Ian Desmond uh, yeah. was not the first three. I don't know if he ranked them or if they were just the first three I saw. The first three at, were 15, 14, and 13, so they were. it was in inverse order. Oh, um, oh because so they want you to get inside. Yeah, I'd be curious to see where Ian Desmond ranks on that because he, I mean, he's making $22 million this year, and we're making jokes about him reaching 75% crown ball rate. We're making I, jokes about it. We're hoping he doesn't play for three games in a row. <laughs> right. I'm just hope. Well, I feel like you got to do something drastic now. You know, if Baleka has to go, Baleka yes. has to go. Yes, I can't. I. It's not that difficult to put Baleka in AAA. He has options. options. For the love of God, take care of it. Give him. Give him some time. Just give him some time. And I know this isn't popular in the sub, uh, but I think Walters needs to go too. Mm-hmm. I mean, defensive catching only goes so far. And I, I mean, I've heard things about his catcher ERA is like some, like somewhere near three. John Gray um, is really good with Tony Walters and not so great this year with Chris Iannetta. True. Small sample size, yada yada yada. But but you can't do anything with Chris Iannetta. Is the problem is this. so you got and I think that since Tom Murphy is raking and, and he's right a right hander, uh, yeah, I think you have to bring him up and uh, unless you want to have a because the Arizona Diamondbacks are doing fine and they're they have a three catcher bench and. Or not bench, but they carry yeah, three catchers, uh, and two of them are not bat plus at all. No, Jeff uh, Mathis I mean, you, is Jeff Mathis is one of the worst <coughs> hitters in Major League Baseball history. But we did do the um, <laughs> stolen strike stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was great. Yeah, and yeah. No, his his value is completely defense. He has literally no offensive value. And right. you could carry three catchers, and then have somebody like Noel Cuevas go back down because we have, and we have enough outfielders and mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. our bench is fine. And if you had Tony Walters here to only catch John Gray, I mean, teams have done it. That was basically David Ross and John Lester. The year the Cubs won the world series, mm-hmm. David Ross yep. existed to catch John Lester. And that was it. And Mathis is Granky's personal mm-hmm. catcher. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's uh, like, I don't think he plays in games. If Granky's not the Probably. starter, I think he also plays, um, um, with, What's his name? The guy who just got hurt today? Ray. Ray. Oh, I think he no. plays with Robbie Ray, too. Um, so there's there's that. Um, Cargo's going to come back soon. Yeah, it sounded like he might be <sighs> back Monday or Tuesday. So kind of dreading. You can say bye-bye to Cuevas if it's Monday or Tuesday, whichever day it is. But Cuevas is a right-handed. I, I know. And he I only know. has 13 plate appearances, and he's hit the ball to the Bruh. left outfield. Bro, can can Harada Parr get suspended again? Can we petition MLB Baseball to extend Harada <laughs> Parr's ex- ex- suspension? Uh, I saw this tweet from Dan Siborski that was something along the lines of, uh, since the Rockies refuse to give a playing time to Dahl or something, they should simply encourage Parr to charge the mound, uh, I don't know, every four days or so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was arguing in the baseball subreddit that um, if the Rockies threw it, Chris Bryant, then it would. It, it was mm. just a dumb comment. But yeah. um, in the story of that, I said I think the Rockies have the whole brawling thing out of their system. But yes, if it means uh, Para gets suspended yeah. again, then I think we'd all be for it. Well, we should just we should just <laughs> let Para and Desmond go out. Just make them our designated brawl guys. Brawlers, Smash <laughs> Brothers. Nah, yes. Desmond's yes. the peacekeeper. Desmond's kind of no like way. Desmond's not a guy I would get in a fight with either. Like I wouldn't like I'd be a little mm. frightened if Desmond came out trying to brawl. So he mm. would be he's perfect for that. Perfect that, that role. Yeah. I think <laughs> my only other thing is we're we're gonna broadcast next week somehow, um, and something has to change by next week. And I'm I I wonder what you guys feel about 
Jeff Breidich in this season. Like, he is now responsible for the Rockies being the worst offense. And this is it, – it, it's all basically because of him. Yes. Him, is him, it, getting him, him getting us to the playoffs buys him a little – Little a little extra, extra room, time, yeah. True. But, I mean, like Zimbarski always out. says, the yeah. Rockies are so good at developing talent and so poor at doing anything with it. We're putting with them it, on the yeah. field or getting them. I I know he's got time, but a lot of this has to fall to British. And the thing is, the whole Desmond contract—if it continues to be the worst thing—it might just be. I, I I think this is hyperbolic. I'm saying it anyway. It might be the best thing to like get rid of the Desmond contract by getting a different GM to just get rid of it somehow. It's just dumb. I mean, I mean if, if we go through the rest of this year, if you go into 2019, you only, and I say only in quotation marks, even though I'm not actually doing it, is $40 million, which is about what we ate on Jose Reyes. So we've done it in it's, the past. I can see us doing it too, just a free especially because... Jesus. Yeah, I mean, someone's going to pick him up, so that's going to save you around $1.6 million. I mean, that's not, like, a ton, but it, it counts. Yeah. And, like, it's... I think he's owed, like, 15 the next two years after this, and then, like, $8 million the last one. I mean, it's totally doable. Um, Completely. So, yeah. yeah. I think, And I think, it's, I think at this point it's become... It's ridiculous. It's the, worst, it's the worst contract the Rockies have signed in their history. I think it's I think it's surpassed Hampton at this yep. point. Yeah, and you can you can look at even things like Hampton actually put up a positive war both seasons. There was a was reason to sign Hampton too. Yeah, there was yeah. A we reason. traded him for salary relief. We didn't right. eat all of his we, whatever. It we was. were we were able to get yeah. Hampton went to the Braves and and we paid certainly some of it, but. Um, I mean, Ian Desmond, nobody's going to trade for the guy. Nobody's going to trade for no. him. And, and we're paying him a ton of money to and put up negative war, which Hampton did never put up negative war, and Desmond is. And now we're just looking at, like, Nato shaking his head, you know? Yeah, that, Arenado was very clearly uh, using some curse words the other day when the Rockies were getting blown up um, by the Pirates in that game. So, And so. we deserve it. We deserve yeah. it. Anyway, hashtag we deserve this or something, or... <laughs> hashtag please no more Desmond Powell. hashtag bench yeah. Desmond as much as possible but alright that wraps it up for the Rockpile Talk Pile um, Jack pleasure yes uh, thanks for having me thanks for editing all of our stuff every yes. single time you're the best <laughs> right. have a good week guys see ya yeah.